Hello and welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. This is episode 42, in which we're covering chapter 23 of part 2 Phoenix of book 2 Adulthood Rites of the Xenogenesis Trilogy by Octavia Butler. Um, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. Michael Glinka. Hi, everyone. What's the meaning of life, Michael? Oh, yeah, 42. is We're in episode 42. And just as I said um, to Richard a second ago, um, I had that... I read somewhere that Douglas Adams... Is that correct again, Richard? The name of the author yeah, yeah. of the... Yeah, of the... Um, uh, what's the name of the book now? The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, yes, yes. Hitchhiker's Guide to the <laughs> Galaxy. Um, basically, the reason why he put number 42 is because in the ASCII uh, table, 42 starts for, stands for tilde, so it can be anything. So there we go. That's that's a nice little fact, apparently. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just you know uh, spreading the internet uh, information out. But hey. Yeah, I, I didn't know this one. That's good. Uh, you know. I, I always use 42 for the seeds for my random number generators, which is probably not a good idea. <laughs> That's probably really not a good idea. Also, if you, you know... Oh, well. Uh, we'll see how that works out. We'll see in the future if it bites you back. Yeah. At least we'll know the reason. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay, then. Um, so uh, we're going to open again with a little bit of a content corner and follow up on a couple of things that uh, came up last time. Um, uh, so I think last time we talked briefly about the fact that uh, I'd watched uh, an anime called The Saga of Tanya the Evil, mm-hmm. which um, I feel like I underplayed how much I enjoyed that last time. So I just wanted to re-emphasize that I think that's great. It, it plays exactly into my sense of humor. I watched the, the little short OVA uh, um, Operation De- Desert Pasta and the um, uh, the movie since, and I, 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 I really love that anime. I suspect oh, really? that will remain near the top of my list for an extended period of time. <laughs> Um, speaking of anime, actually, I think there's another mm-hmm. one that I want to introduce you to because I think, and everyone who's listening, because I think it's really um, interesting concept. Mm-hmm. It's called Eighty Six. Okay. Um, there's a second season ongoing now, uh, and I've literally binge watched the first season and the second season up to where it was available at the time, and mm-hmm. I need to say it's really good. Um, I don't want to go too much into details because I would spoil. The anime is quite... There's a lot of plot hooks, but basically um, it's a world where uh, an AI... There was a war between two uh, arm uh, countries and then one of them developed uh, weapons, basically mobile weapons that were run by AI, which goes rogue and basically okay. starts to um, kill everything on site. Uh, and basically it's uh, about survival of remnants of humanity against those autonomous um, uh, army, this autonomous uh, AI army. But the reason why I'm mentioning it... Okay, so kind of, is it a bit like Terminator without the time travel? (laughs) Yes, basically, but the reason why I'm mentioning is that it's because there's a lot of um, political and social commentary to our common Hmm. world, our world, and I think... And then generally, I really enjoyed it, and I think you would enjoy it as well, Richard, because there's a yeah, lot of things. Um, because there are also things about dis- um, you know, racism and um, discrimination, like um, the disregard of human life, and mm-hmm. just in general, attitude of like a lot of 
countries and people in general like it, there's a lot of commentary in a way directly and if you listen to it think about it more you can really find a lot of connections to our world so i would highly highly recommend it it's really good okay let's uh, go to my list I think that the books that the anime is based on actually won several awards so okay. in Japan. So I think mm. it's um it's really good. I'll uh, yeah, I'll uh, give that a look. Yeah, okay. it, it's I think it's one of the my recent ones, one of my top animes simply because of the the message behind it. I, I find it mm. really interesting. It's just it's in general mm. like very sort of bittersweet um but also like sometimes can go really dark but like in the in the facade of being like oh light-hearted can be very hot like dark so okay yeah yeah that's one of the things i liked about uh, uh tanya in that it, it's it's um uh it has darkness but it's very it's very humorous right it's yeah. very dark humor i like <laughs> i like that uh, uh okay then so the other thing i wanted to follow up on from our previous little discussion session was um, Apple's adaptation of the Foundation series mm-hmm. kind of lost me. Like I was, I was somewhat optimistic they were doing some interesting things, but uh, yeah, they, they've they did a couple of things in some of the. I think it was around about episode six where uh-huh. they introduced something which seems to demonstrate they really fundamentally have not understood what psychohistory is supposed to be in right. the original books. Right, right. They, they've they've just not like. And it's one of those things where they have—they uh, don't seem to have really understood the source material, so they can't adapt it well. Or if they understood it, they somehow disagreed with it. And I'd say, basically, maybe yeah. dumb it down for the more mainstream. Population. I mean, to keep it vague and non-spoilery, yeah. um, I will say it—it's a a very postmodern adaptation of a modernist source material, which right. really doesn't work because yeah. it's it's it, the, there's a there's an epistemic clash that like it, it's yeah. Okay, I see. Uh, I, yeah, this, which the, I find it, frustrating. In a way, in a way, you all sort of explained why they probably tried to apply it more to a modern modern like viewers, which sometimes the source material um, which was written different times. I mean, like it, it's not. It, like, I don't. I don't have a problem with updating and modernizing but the 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 core themes are quite tied up with epistemology right they're quite tied up with how we can know things about the future and so on so bringing a postmodern epistemic frame to a modernist work uh that has that central to some of its core exploratory themes really does not work as a adaptation of that source material right, right. If, if you want to like if you want to make that that style of commentary you need to adapt something else because that does like it's it's not, it's it, not it doesn't yeah you, the, this is one of the things that was kind of successful about like Denis Villeneuve's adaptation of dune which i, I saw between the last time we spoke oh and did now, you was i still haven't it, <laughs> it clearly understood the underlying themes of the work and yeah. kept the core message intact yeah. in the way that it did the adaptation like it had a lot of um you know visual pizzazz right it was an extraordinarily like beautiful film in the way that denise stuff usually is uh-huh. but like apple's attempt to do foundation has the big budget pretty stuff but has missed thematically what was going on underneath it it would appear like it's it's similar like i would say to a lot of games nowadays they they can look very pretty but but 
behind there's nothing there no content or like hook to mm. keep you up you know like the the, the storyline so it's it's often i mean modern like stuff like this it's a shame isn't it though like there's there's a lot of things that if they really stick to the core material you could really get good stuff out of it but and yeah, yet yeah, it's mm. and yet people do it um on the other hand if i could chip in something um mm-hmm. i've been reading a really interesting book uh okay. well i think it's more of um well i was reading um recently chris gazak curator philip detmer um mm-hmm. released book a book on our immune system uh and the okay. title is immune a journey into the mysterious system that keeps you alive and as you probably for all our listeners who um you, you know that I'm a massive fan of the channel. Like, th- there's no hiding it. And so I immediately, when the, there was a pre-order, I immediately jumped on the bandwagon and um, pre-ordered the book. And then arrived, to, mm-hmm. and I need to say, it's brilliant. It's really well written to understand what the immune system is. But it's written in a way... I don't want to say spoil some of the fragments, because when I read uh, about but about the neutrophil specifically, what I'm thinking about the moment... Um, his description is the most colorful, gory, but funny <laughs> uh, description of a cell in comparison, like uh, how to visualize it. And I need to say, I was laughing okay. my ass off uh, on nice. on the book about the immune system, okay, which is a very difficult <laughs> concept. And hmm. I would say that I highly, highly recommend buying that book and reading it because it's. One, if you're interested in, in you know biology and want to learn more about it, at least in sort of like overall uh, idea, like it's it doesn't go into too much detail, but like uh, obviously we're not expecting it to, <laughs> but mm. it goes into enough to actually understand what's happening in your body, and it's done brilliantly, and it's so it's really funny, and in general, I literally just like spaghetti normally, I'm sucking it up. I mean, it's a really good book. So okay, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I yeah. highly recommend. Even like Richard, even you know, like you know, may know a lot, but like it's, it's a book that I highly recommend for all people, whether you're you know, a specialist or uh, you know somebody who has no idea about biology, because it's really well say, written. Immunology is not my strong suit, so uh, that's uh, yeah, I, that might be worth a, a read. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, education. I picked it yeah. up because I part of my research also requires a bit of knowledge in immunology and. It's a good start, in a way. I mean, mm. I already know a bit more than this, but on some cells that I don't have any knowledge about, it's a really good beginning where to look into, you know, well to look into them. So, in general, mm. it's for everyone. And having a, um, like, a, a compelling kind of um, frame, uh, sort of a compelling narrative frame, or one of yeah. those models that has a, I don't know, it, it somehow sticks in your brain better, right? You know what I mean? Absolutely. One of those things as a, as a framework to build further knowledge around. I'm <laughs> telling you. I think often helpful. For the rest of my life, I will know what the neutrophil is and what it does, because woof, the way he described it is just mwah, chef's kiss. But also, just to add... <laughs> spoilers extra- for non-fiction books now. <laughs> like, honestly, but like, I know. But um, it's also the book has drawings done by mm-hmm. the team that does art for Kurzgesag videos ah, okay. and yeah, so yeah. it has beautiful designs and visualizations of what you no know, things are so it's really really a worth buy and it's not that expensive so i would highly recommend for anyone who's interested in that type of stuff and even if you're not go buy it because it's honestly worth it okay nice so i i had one last thing to contribute to content corner mm-hmm. which was the um 
another book that I read, uh, which was uh, The Player of Games by Ian M. Banks uh-huh. from the, the Culture series, um, which uh, I, I wanted particularly to mention it because there's a, a, a sister podcast, shall we say, to, to our own, that uh, another one that's sort of spawned from the same intellectual roots that, that was inspired by the same people. I was inspired by when when I first suggested this, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is called Uncultured Swine, um, which is a a, a a companion to the the reading Ian and Banks's Culture series, um, which I've been meaning to do for a while, and uh, so the, the podcast uh, helped me get a a start in that uh-huh. direction. Um, and it, oddly enough, this book also features an alien species which has three sexes. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. I won't uh, go into the details of how that works, but it's somewhat different to uh, uh, the way it works in in uh, this universe. Um, it was written slightly after uh, this, uh, the, the first book in this series. So I don't know whether or not uh, Banks was inspired by Butler at all, but uh, I, I couldn't, with with some quick googling, ascertain if there was any documentation of that. But uh, you know, apparently, it's a thing. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, and then. Uh, the other kind of odd, interesting bit about that is in the culture, humans can um, transition their genders at will, or their biological sexes even, at will. Uh, they, uh, it takes them a couple of weeks or so, but uh, they can just swap. And the convention to maintain population levels is to to um, bear one child and father one child or some such. Oh, okay, okay, uh, interesting. Yeah. But how, so how far in the future are we talking about? Oh, long way. Like, um, I, I don't know if there's a specific time frame but like i see i see yeah okay that's cool that's cool awesome and it's of course you read another book that we could potentially have introduced here but of course you read it and now i have even harder job to look for books (laughs) for us god damn it there's there's the rest of the culture series which i haven't read yet (laughs) Uh uh-huh by the time we record the next episode ladies and gentlemen he will finish all of the series, be like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to read them all. Hmm? Eh, maybe. <laughs> See, he's not even saying no, because obviously it's going to happen. <laughs> God damn you, Richard. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I, last time I joked that I'm, I'll have to look for some foreign writers that I haven't translated the books translated yet to find anything that he hasn't read yet. So, yeah. That's my job probably now for the next, I don't know, year to find the book finally that he hasn't read. The moment I mention it, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I read the whole lexicon of them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, did you have anything else for Content Corner? Or no, no, that's, the, that's, the that's, uh, that's, that's me. Um, um, I just wanted to mention that anime for in the book. I just wanted to like nice. a little uh, sponsorship from Kuzgazak, maybe one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, by the way, uh, let us know in the the comments uh, uh, of, of anything that you uh, subscribe to us on, whether or not you think this is a, a good or bad idea. You can email us uh, zenithist at gmail dot com. Um, but you know, also like you know, like subscribe, rate us on various platforms in which you can rate us. Yes, that, you know, please helps do. get us more attention. Yeah. Um, so, uh, should we talk about your predictions for chapter twenty three? So. I was like, okay, this is the last part, last chapter. I mean, the Onkali must have arrived by now, right? Like, uh, please? I mean, come on. <laughs> Couldn't be. I mean, it, it did seem like a fairly um, uh, reasonable uh, climactic event to have at the end of this arc, yeah. right? I mean, I mean, so. it would be really surprising if the Onkali haven't arrived by now. I mean, hmm. I would feel sorry for Akin. 
<laughs> yeah. At this point, point because my God, like the boy is being already more than a year away from his family. So, hmm. but yeah. It seems I was alright. I mean, it wasn't a great uh, prediction. I was just like, because last time I was like, oh, Uncle arrived. No, 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 not yet. No, no, no. Um, but yeah. But yeah, they showed up for the they showed up for the finale. Yes. Good timing. Good, good timing. <laughs> this is you know, uh, a wizard is never late for or never early or too late. He's always on time. Mm. So there we go. Don Kali now mm-hmm. have read to- uh, Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, enough of jokes. Should we start with the summary? Yes, let's get into it. So, the story picks up 10 days after Akin and Gabe's return from the journey, um, when Don Kali finally have arrived. Um, the salvage site was packed with people, since the new salvage team has arrived, but there was no outcry or shouting from the humans, meaning that Don Kali were staying away from them. Um, I, at, at the time, Akin was working on a crystal vase, cleaning it up when he smelled them. Uh, he p- picked up their scent. Um, Thinking fast, he decided to speak to Tate and tell her that they are here for him and she's the only one that can take him to Don Kai without any bloodshed. Um, Tate, though initially not wanting to do it, because there was a high chance for either of them getting killed, um, eventually picked up Akin and started walking the direction Akin told her uh, to. She was terrified. Akin, you know, knew she wasn't afraid of death, but what was she terrified, though, of? That was his mm. question. Yeah, so I, I, that's a, an interesting one because it, 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 she kind of says they might get killed, but it it doesn't seem like that's what she's actually afraid of, right? It's, yeah. Uh, I think we get some kind of more hints at it at later on in, in this chapter, but I, I think it's uh, she's more afraid of kind of um, like falling back in with the Owen Kali, right? It's. Uh, it, yeah, I think that's that's what that's what um, goes through her mind because I think at the time it was Gabe, wasn't it, in the book one that. Uh, mm. was felt, let's say, disgusted by himself with the connection with Don Kali, whereas Tate, I think that the, what's the word? The um, she felt really compelled to be compelled. No, um, there's a nice word they used in this chapter that uh, Akin uses that this is almost as if uh, insensitized. No, uh, um. Uh, doesn't matter. I'm sorry. Apologies. I'm sure. It's just basically the yeah. like. It really makes them like uh, you know want to be uh, with the Uloi, but mm-hmm. yeah, it seems like she's afraid of the kind of um, the sway that they can have yes, over yes, humans, yes. right? She's she's afraid of being um, uh, subject again to the kind of uh, the the compulsion that that she and gabe kind of fell uh sway to fell victim to yeah. if you will uh you know they they were um seduced by the uloi yes. and they didn't like it because it was like you know they 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 you know did it but they didn't intellectually feel like they wanted to do it, it if you yeah. see what i mean right yeah, yeah. so the uh you know afraid again of that um that compulsion or uh, or um being enthralled by the the Owen Kali. Mm, absolutely. But yeah, once they arrived at the side where Onkali were, um, there were a number of them, as well as Lilith and Tino. And um, when Tate spotted Onkali, she froze, but didn't run. Um, Lilith, on the other hand, like a Super Saiyan, the moment she saw Akin, immediately teleported near them before any of them could react, literally, that was the description of Akin. That like the mo- before he couldn't even react, Lilith was basically beside them and already catching him in his her arms. And he's a little excerpt mm. from the book. I've been waiting for you so long. He whispered finally. 
I've been looking for you for so long, she said, her voice hardly sounding like her voice at all. She kissed his face and stroked his hair and finally held him away from her. Three years old, she said. So big. I kept worrying that you wouldn't remember me. But I knew you would. I knew you would. Of course, <laughs> I honestly, like, I love Lilith. Like, I, I feel like she, mm. she needs to be more in the spotlight because the moment, like, just, like, she teleports in. You know, she's, I'm telling you, she's a, more of a uh, Super Saiyan now than, like, she's not human <laughs> anymore. <laughs> now, well, I mean, we only get a little bit of her here, but uh, she she's great. Yeah. yeah. She, I think it's like more the most compelling protagonist that I have encountered in a while. So yeah, it's kind of a. It, it, so I, I always um, when I started this book, I was like, we're getting we're getting a lot less of Lilith here, and I like I really like Lilith. Yeah, that's <laughs> I like the thing. Uh, yeah. she, she's one of those characters that really makes you um, um, understand her because she's really written like a human being, right? It's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not like you know you just accept your role, or well, you don't accept and you resist, and then you eventually like a hero story, you win. She's mm. more of like she's really more of a human being that you can feel for and understand when you actually think about what what's driving her. Yeah, yeah, and, and the the kind of the great thing about her character is she has kind of all of the. Um like the, the heroic traits yes. as it were right she has the the resolve and the 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 strength of will and all the rest of it but she's in such a like bind of a situation that despite that she still can't you know, do anything it, about it yeah there's yeah there's only so much she can she can uh, do to get around it um which i think is a refreshing kind of um like a refreshing position to put your like admirable uh qualities yes. possessing protagonist in right you don't Absolutely. just have them win victory you have them like you know uh, carve out the best island of, of uh, whatever <laughs> like, you can do you just do yeah. your best out of yeah. whatever you can and you know mm-hmm. hope that it lasts basically mm. so yeah uh, yeah i wish really we had more of lilith but i feel like you know it's gonna be less and less of her in future because i mean akin is the spotlight of this book so um but we'll see yeah we get uh, little sprinklings of uh, of a uh, uh, you know reminder yes (laughs) um but yeah akin laughed at the impossible idea of him forgetting her and wonder if she cried uh if she was crying you know if she was saying but the only thing lilith was doing was just checking his body if there's nothing missing i just love like lilith is just you know like hiding her emotions but at the same time you know like because i would be you know bawling my eyes (laughs) like but anyway that's me in the meantime Tino and Tate had a conversation. You know, Tino had memory problems after the damage he sustained from the men, uh, from that injury he got from those men um, when they raided the village. And but his memory was slowly coming back to him. Liv explained what happened to her, to, uh, what happened to Tino to Tate, and then asked her if it was worth for T- that Tino almost died for Tate having Lilith's son. Uh, but Akin immediately stepped in, saying she was only his, she was his only friend who took care of him, and uh, that the men initially tried to sell him in the other villages. Um, the conversation finishes there say, with Lilith saying that you know they got too careless because they didn't have any rate in years. Mm, yeah, which is why uh, why Tina got hurt, right? Yeah, was the, yeah, in the first place. She, she was almost kind of um, like apologizing to to Tate for the fact that Tina got hurt. Uh, after Tate had kind of directed him to to go to to Low, yep, because she thought he'd be safe there. Yep. Um, Akin was then passed to Dichan, who shared how he found Tino and the fact that his family didn't search for him, um, while the others did initially, but then stopped. 
Dijan then confirmed that Akin, what Akin suspected, that the Onkali wanted him to learn about the humans, but his family for the first time in Onkali culture were against the general consensus. Um, the Onkali would not help his family search for him until now, until Akin learned enough. Crazy. It's I'm not sure it was like the first time that uh, a subgroup was um, like going against the consensus in the entire culture, but I think it, it certainly gives the impression that it was like I think rare. it was the first yeah. time that they'd been yes. against the consensus, like, and the first time, and like a surprising thing that they would be. Well, I think it's uh, more of like the fact that they persisted with being against the consensus. I think that's that's hmm. more, more like an explanation here. And mm-hmm. the fact that they continue that to be against it, so um, which is you know mm. a first step always. I think it's you know it, the Onkalis are changing slowly more to be like human-like <laughs> because they're now uh, internally divided and fractured. Yes, basically. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh well. I don't. Know, I don't think of the mixing with humans. It was a good choice on Kali. It wasn't really not a good choice. She just left us, <laughs> left us be and just, you know, contain us for the rest of the existence of humanity as species. <laughs> now, good thing they kept that um, uh, Akjai uh, segment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right off the human branch. <laughs> exactly. At the moment, you know, in the future, it's going to be like fire futures. Like, yes. See, the problem started 3,000 years ago or 3 million years ago when those goddamn Onkali mixed with those goddamn humans. See, our branch is pure. We have no problems like that. Them, they, they're just killing each other. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose we, we might see uh, how much of that uh, comes to pass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, unfortunately... The topic of his sibling came up as well and for Akin his siblings knows about him but he will never experience what Amma and Shkacht had um, you know Dichan couldn't really make Akin feel better in any way so he passed him to Anikanj <laughs> lol <laughs> from one parent to another because he can't deal with it so he's going to just find the better parent nice one Dichan <laughs> well done um, and <laughs> if it works, <laughs> if it works, yeah. Uh, Nikant tried to distract him by asking him all about the things he've learned, you know, the plant and animal life. And the chapter sort of goes into description of how important this exchange of information between like male and female on Kali and the Uloi is. It sort of goes into more of a detail about that exchange of information. And the pleasure given by the law is one thing, but it's how deep that exchange is and how deeply important it is and how necessary for them is and how good it feels for them. And, you know, Mm. it takes time for Akin to sort of like, he realizes how important being an Uloi is and he sort of feeds in into this, like sharing that information with Nikanj because it sort of brings him an idea of like what the future will be when he has his own mates. Like how important is that exchange sort of sort of resembling uh, exchange that what Amma and Schacht had. Mm. Yes, yeah, so it's interesting because you have this kind of, um, like, the, he talks a little initially about this kind of, you know, the instrumental value of, like, you know, we, we gather some some biological information and give it to the Uloi, and, and in exchange we, we get pleasure. But then it, it's like, it's not just that. They have a, yeah. a sense of compulsion to gather that info, they want to do that anyway. Yes, right. It's a part of the way that they. Um, and it's 
fascinating for them what the Uloi does with it, like the understanding that Uloi has of all the genetical information. And I think that's also what's so, why it's so um, compelling for them to do that. Mm -hmm. But I think this, uh, it gets into the whole uh, question of um, uh, kind of uh, whether or not the, like, is that intention or is that uh, a sense of, it, like get, gathering stuff being a terminal value that's not like instrumental for getting the pleasure is that something that the uloi have instilled in the males and females through their genetic engineering program mm-hmm. right is is it is it uh, is it actually something they want to do because it it has some uh, value to them uh, i mean it probably does indirectly through because they're competing with or breeding with rather uh, cooperating with the uloi to to reproduce yep. but it, it's another one of those things that makes me feel like somehow the uloi might have some kind of a like originally parasitic or, or, or in some, perhaps not parasitic initially, but more mutualistic yeah. now relationship. Yeah. We talked about this, that potentially I feel like Uloi wasn't originally there. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 it was something later on, maybe on the original planet that Onkali come from, where basically there was another species that was capable of sort of like making this symbiotic or initially maybe parasitic um behavior but then through you know evolution it became more symbiotic like in a lot of examples mm. in nature in, in on on our world and basically yeah, but yeah. in this case it's more like they, they learn this possibility to sort of control and uh um and you know control the genome of the of the species and they made me like made them more dependent on themselves i feel like that's the case like it it just has the sign of yeah, that's what's happened. It's certainly the, what, what it kind of smells like from various little hints yeah, here and there absolutely. In, in the way their biology works. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, so another species in science fiction that has kind of a, it's not quite a three-parent situation. Uh-huh. It's more like they have a parasitic um, relationship with a third um, sex, as it were, but technically it's another species. Uh-huh. So it's the, um, the puppeteers from Larry Niven's Ringworld books. Okay. They have a male and female, but they gestate in a third species. So they like the 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 female deposits an egg with like an an ovipositor. I can't remember what they call the, the thing that you do that uh-huh. with eggs. And then there's the uh, the males fertilize it, but in this other uh, entity. Right. And then uh, I think they call them companions. And as the uh, puppeteer like grows to maturity inside the companion it kills the companion right so it's like one of those parasitic wasp things right uh, where it like you know lays an egg in something and they you know burst out and kill the host um but the yeah the puppeteers have this weird thing where they think of themselves as male and the companions as, as a female and kind of have them in the uh, it, it's like a part of the household despite the fact that they die after they reproduce it's basically them. It's a, a reverse strange praying mantis basically you know like whereas mm-hmm. the female in praying mantis the, uh, the female eats the male while it's fertilizing her uh here it's a bit opposite uh, I mean, kind of yeah but also like there's, there's a whole other species involved yeah. and, and so on so it's a, interesting yeah but uh, no. see this is another. ladies and gentlemen this is another series that I could put, we could potentially talk but we should already read it <laughs> yeah it's Ringworld. It's, yeah. it's, it's classic. Uh, it's a classic. <laughs> I know. And like, I, I'll never be able to catch up with you, with you and your audiobooks. But, okay. I'll. Okay. Anyway, stop. I'll stop uh, complaining. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, 
But yes, so once Akin became aware of the surroundings again after you know the exchange with Nikanj, he noticed that the three humans were sitting together and on the far end of the hill, Gabe was standing and watching Tate. Um, Akin wanted to get him, but Nikanj told him not to because one, he's a resistant he'll fight if Tate will be taken. And also, if what if Akin, if he picks up Akin and runs to the village, you know, then the Onkali would have to fight with humans who have guns, and Akin couldn't refute that because he knew that Gabe was capable of that. Mm. And the chapter ends with Lilith trying to coax Tate to join them because if they wanted to have kids, it's better to be with Onkali instead of stealing them. Um, Tate, on the other hand, knows what it means and she won't do it because she knows that Gabe won't want, will not want to do that. Mm. Now, as is. Interesting. Lilith only has like a couple of lines in this section, but when she drops back in and says, "Like I used to think, you resistors would find an answer, right?" She really hoped it. Jesus, your only answer was has been to steal kids from us, the same kids you're too good to have yourselves. What's the point? Which that last bit is just what we've been saying. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's why you know you can't you can you can't not love Lilith just because she's just on point all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Tate is like, yeah, Gabe don- doesn't want that. So, um, and Lilith tells her like, well, actually, Gabe is here, and but if you know, ask her if she wants to call him, but you know, if she should go away, should go ahead. Akin though calls to her and tells her that he will do what he's supposed to do. And the chapter ends with Tate kissing him on his forehead, and then he comes telling her that his parents are on the ship waiting for them. Um, they haven't. Haven't connected the other humans before she separates from them and joins Gabe, and that's where the chapter ends and the part two finishes. Hmm. Yep. I think that, that that last bit there is kind of the the callback to what we talked about right at the beginning of the chapter with Tate's fear. Yep. Right. It's that she she fears Kaguyat. I'm not surprised. Um, his mates. Oof. Oof. <laughs> Honestly, drawing her back in. If I had to yeah. deal with that guy, mm. oof, I would not want to be like. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of a yeah. It's like com- combining the um, like weird compulsion with the fact that Kaguya's kind of an ass is, is a <laughs> yeah. I would yeah, drop I that definitely... kind. Of, I would say he is a full on hundred percent unbearable ass. <laughs> I'm not surprised Nikanji is staying on the on the earth because I wouldn't be able to deal with a parent like that myself. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, I, I just thought maybe, Richard, I could do a short summary of the part two, just for everyone to sort of... Um, yes, so I think there's a, there's a couple of things I just want to touch on, um, going back to mm-hmm. the, the, go on. the uh, stuff in this chapter before we go on to the, the kind of broader arc summary for sure, this, sure. this um, section. Please do. Um, so the, a little bit about Tino's kind of memory loss uh-huh. situation. Go on. Um, it seemed like he was having slightly um, better recall of stuff that had happened post his uh, travel to Low, um, and I think uh, once he was at Low, we, we uh, he, he got some you know interactions with the Oankali and may have got some of the buffs that Lilith got when she yeah. was first interacting with the Oankali as well, right? So his memory, um, I think, is clearer there because you know he's he's barely remembering Tate and Gabe despite having spent like half his childhood. In, in their house, but he has a clearer recollection of the stuff that's uh, that's there. Um, and also just a little bit about the way that he's kind of recovering his memory. Um, again, I think that's relatively realistic because if you have some kind of brain damage, then you can sort of get some memory back if you regrow some connections, yeah. right? 
Uh, it's not like um, especially the similar stimuli if you experience something that's vaguely mm. familiar or you meet someone like in this case tina meeting tate and he's like oh actually and the brain is like buzzing the making the connections and it's trying to sort of reconnect what there was because it's somewhere there mm-hmm. yeah which which yeah, i think fits right yeah because i mean you, there's some stuff you lose entirely because you've actually like lost some brain mass and some cells have died and you can't redraw the connections but there's other stuff where you've just severed the connection between parts of the brain and regrowing it yeah. works right um which and uh, it, it's because we'd kind of talked before about how like recovered memory in the sense of like uh i don't know going to someone who's like vaguely hypnotherapy and saying you know you remember these things from your child like that's not really a thing but in this case it is actually a thing <laughs> um because you know there's there's a, a like a physically plausible mechanism by which that makes sense usually though there's a if there's brain damage i'm probably just talking out of my ass at the moment but like it's usually the short-term memory that's is affected right it's like for example concussion uh but like if there's a, any deeper damage to any parts of the brain obviously there will be some parts of it affected in a way that's unknown but like in case of tino he had pretty much almost caved in skull right so i mean i think it, it depends on the type of brain damage and it, it's one of those things is very like we don't know really how this works out. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> but, like if if you have something that damages something around your hippocampi or that affects like your ability to grow new cells near there, then like new memory formation can be impaired. Yes, and and so I think something related to short term memory as well. But and we still we still don't have any real grasp on how memory is like distributed through the brain, how that works, because it seems to be quite spread out. But like, yeah, but it's we we don't like we don't have a good physical understanding of how that works, like yeah. how it maps to particular uh, like locales. So yeah. maybe one day yeah. in thousands of years. Yes. I mean, hopefully sooner, because <laughs> that'd be useful to know. But yeah, yeah I mean, uh, yeah, but I don't know if it's 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 too complex for the time for us for the timing. Although saying that, like, we are sort of slowly mm. making steps. For example, like. By measuring the electrical impulses in the brain, I think people like scientists were able to sort of um, recreate the image that people were seeing. So we're sort of like getting yeah, that. You know, with, with exponentiation in technical capabilities and so on, you know, the, the timelines start to look a bit more plausible because, you know, stuff gets better faster than you would initially expect. True. That's but. true. But we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe when quantum computers um, become more um, ready available, maybe we'll have enough processing power to actually be able to do huh? some analysis on that. But I mean, maybe. I, mean, I don't know if it's something that you can readily... I mean, the sorts of problems you can solve easily, relatively speaking, with quantum computation are things where you can, like, as far as I understand it anyway, like describe the search space quite systematically. Yeah. It's the same thing, like we're doing things like prime factorization, right? It, it, so you have a very, you have a defined search space. It's just that it's very hard to, to do the search, yeah. right? It's easy to check it, but like hard to search stuff. So if you can frame the problem in those kind of terms, then quantum computation might help you. But uh, it doesn't like, it, it won't give you a panacea to all computational problems. It, it depends on the... Uh, what do you mean? In all those science fiction books and movies, quantum is always the answer. So come on, Richard, come on. Um, yeah, but pe- people are always waving their hands at quantum <laughs> and they don't pay attention to what it actually does. <laughs> uh, 
Anyhow. Anyhow. Um, uh, what's that? Let me see now. Um, uh, yes, so I, the other thing I wanted to just talk a little bit about was the um, the bonding mm-hmm. that Akeen is kind of missing out on with his sibling. Yep. And because it, it, it seems, and we'd kind of talked about it before as being like a, uh, um, a sort of having implications for his like adult mating with his sibling, but it seems like there's something more uh, to it than that. It's it, it like the the loss of it seems like it's not just uh, like uh, they may not be able to be like a a normal low and reproductive unit, but it's more like. Uh, he's he's lost something because um, isn't it like the Onkali that basically the male and female are basically brother and sister? Yeah. So yeah. in this case, I think like usually it will happen. Like for example, with um, uh, uh, uh what's her name? Dichan. Uh-huh, yes, that they were basically brother and sister. They must have had also this the same experience the same thing so like initial the bonding and then again the bonding during the adult mating so i don't know maybe there's there's something in it that that you know it's important for the most but then again like they can exchange all the emotions and feelings and thoughts which lead light uh, speed of light so like what i what's the problem like it's I don't get that. Yeah, it's an right? interesting one. I mean, it, it, it's, it seems like there's some, you know, it's one of those things where there's like a, a, a critical developmental phase in some sense where not, some ability to establish a certain kind of intimacy with the, the sibling that's, kind of, that's depe- independent in some way of the adult mating stuff that, that is somehow now inaccessible to Akeem. I mean, it, but yeah, also, it's a fairly alien concept, so I'm not sure how to Yeah, but also, think about like, it, but. for example, what about the Onkali that were picking human equivalents, right? So, like, hmm. uh, but then again, it is human male, human female, right? But then in constructs, it doesn't, ma- it doesn't work that way because they're basically part human, part Onkali, so they don't need that five member five sort of part family they only need three right mm-hmm. male female and oloi yeah so in this case like technically you don't need to have that connection also because of, from the human part they would be able to create bonds or mate with anybody right they, they don't have it doesn't mm. have to be brother sister relationship yeah I, I, I think it doesn't have to be in the Ankali setting either i think it's just uh common i think it's kind of the like the norm, as it were, but I think that they can still. Like, it's 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 perfectly fine for males and females who aren't brother and sister. Yeah. I think to to mate in the Oankali, like reproductively speaking. But the um, in in humans, I think it's a, just more of a um, like the humans don't have this way of functioning, right? They 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 just like they, they don't have that type of connection. They don't have that yeah. kind of communication apparatus. I mean, the same thing came up a little bit before when they're talking about the exchange with with Nakanj, right? it's like the humans didn't have any kind of uh, like sensory apparatus to understand the stuff that they might gather biologically that would be interesting to the to the Uloi, mm-hmm. right? They they could, you know, their their microbiota and stuff they picked up and stuff they ate would be interesting to the Uloi when they kind of touched them. But the humans don't have the sensory capability to notice all that yeah. stuff. So like they get the 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 pleasure of interacting with the Uloi, but they don't have like any real comprehension of the nature of the exchange which is going on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of a similar thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just the humans are not like sensorily equipped to experience whatever this thing is that the uh, 
Owankali siblings experience. I don't know. I just feels yeah. to me a bit strange because if you have the ability to exchange all your emotions, all your thoughts, literally within very short period of time, you should be able to literally bond with anyone at any time. Um, I don't know. It feels like there's might be more like of a genetical change in the, um, in the, for example, in the body of the male and female or the brother and sister that is necessary to. Uh, for them to get ready for the mating, I don't know, but it just feels like. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about it more in terms of like developmental stage, right? In this, there's some sense in which they can establish a bond at a particular point in their their maturation process, but if they like, they're outside that window, so it's not really genetic, more in the kind of epigenetic space. Mm. Um, and there's that concept in. But then again, Uloi could control that. Right? With like, like you could literally go. I can be like. They can't just go reset this. I want to experience that, and they literally reset that, and they, you know, um, they experience the whole thing. Like it, it. It's a good point. Yeah, it seems like they should be able to do that. Like it just makes mm. no sense for like to be such an important thing if you can literally control any, any aspect of your life. Mm. So I don't know. Just for me, it feels like a bit of a gap here between why it's so important and maybe there's something in that that does. I don't know. There's not ex- mm. fully explained in here. Uh, it seems like there are there are some limits to what the uh, to the, the the granularity of control over their own development that they have. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Or, or some some adverse consequences of, of resetting it and running it. Forever game. teenager. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. oh boy! Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Dear God! Yeah, Forever I mean, in the rebellious stage. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. I no. I wouldn't want to. Uh, experience that again it's good not to care <laughs> about social a- aspects of life <laughs> it's good that your brain doesn't it's good that my brain doesn't compel me thinking about what other people think you just don't care anymore hmm. I, it was never really the thing i found bothersome about anyway but let's not get that <laughs> no it's just the reason why like just for anyone that's interested listening to the, like because during the development teenage time like the puberty um our brains just basically are forced to are making us think about you know the social position more people and some people is like you don't care and some cakes in some people it, you know it's very important but it it's viable between people but it's a really important factor for like development of the brain and such is life but i just cannot imagine just going through it again and again is it because you may not care about something, but your brain is just making you should really think about what people may think about? It's like now. Mm. I'll let you that, that uh, fits quite well with some of the themes of, of this book. Yeah. Like the whole, like, biologically feeling compelled to think certain ways and that being at odds with other things Absolutely. you want to think. <laughs> Absolutely. So, mm. in a way, I feel like Octavia Butler did her uh, research well about it and. Um, what, what the teenage like the you know puberty really truly is, and you know from the bio- biological perspective, and how important the social status uh, of a person is within this you know the closest community and stuff like that, and, and sort of does explain it mm-hmm. for Don Kali as well. Okay, then shall we uh, talk about the um, the the broader arc of this, this sure. part of the book, Phoenix? So um, I wrote a little like very short summary of the um, the whole part, just to part to Phoenix, so for everyone to remind uh, what was happening. 
at so in the part two tells the story of Akin's uh, kidnapping and the journey to the village of Phoenix. It starts with Tino being almost killed by a group of resistors who then take Akin on a journey. At first, Akin tried to escape them, but you know, gets caught anyway because he's too small. And at some point uh, in the journey, one of the men dies because of the ulcers. Another man gets to hate Akin because he responds to him as an adult would, not a kid. Um, eventually, the group gets to a village where Akin you know, is pampered and breastfed by all the women, but eventually, you no, know, is taken away by the resistance because they are afraid that he might be taken away from them. Then they reach another abandoned village and. Finally, they get to Phoenix after some time where Akin meets Tate and tells her truth about himself and that his mother is Lilith. At some point, we get a gunfight where father, Tino's father, uh, who's seeking revenge for his son on the resistance and most of them die except for the actual man who is responsible for all of it. Um, hmm. But we know he gets paralyzed. The part then continues with Akin's life in the village, meeting the Paravon Kali construct, Aman Shkart, who are then taken to the salvage site and then eventually escape because of a potential psychopath who wants to mutilate the girls in order to remove their tentacles to make them look more human-like. And then the basically the part ends with Akin spending a year between the salvages trying to learn as much as he can about the humans so, uh, so that he can convey that to the Onkali and then after a long period of time his mother finally comes and gets gets him back yeah yeah I think that, that more or less wraps it up it's pretty like it's an interesting journey of fucking and I, like I wonder what what's gonna happen next yeah because at the moment we have a pretty open uh, set of possibilities yeah. right we've not really got a lot of uh, groundwork laid for what could happen yeah next. absolutely it's pretty up in the air. And, but the thing is, we can hypothesize things. Um, but I guess we'll go to my predictions a bit later because um, mm -hmm. I did some, like, I went through our notes and um, from our previous recordings and sort of made mm -hmm. a compilation of the topics we talked about throughout the whole part two. Ah, okay. And um, we talked about a lot of stuff. Like, I, I have my list is not, ex <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you know, it's not as exhaustive. But just in mm -hmm. general, we talked about, like, I separate into three parts. Um, mm -hmm. Diseases, which sort of is part of one of the other parts, which I call biology of human and animals. Um, but mm -hmm. I just thought that this was more of a combination of the, this biology part of humans and then also the third part of the topics, which was the history of humanity and science in general. Um, mm -hmm. and in, this, in the disease we talked about the London cholera outbreak and also as well as Huntington disease how the function of hunting how does the it takes place and who you know what's the function and the processes of the involved in Huntington disease hmm. I'm trying to remember how these came up <laughs> yeah I, I, I to be fair when I was reading the notes I was like oh yeah yeah we talked about this because of this and this but I don't remember it anymore mm. I will have to go back to the notes again to actually remember um <laughs> It, the Huntington disease came up because Tate had it, and oh, yes. and yeah. basically, and the yeah, the Onkali fixed that, fixed and then that the reason why we talked because they could sense the repeats, and that you mentioned like, oh, actually, mm. you know, you've you've actually quantified, didn't you? Like the the number of oh yeah, I did, I did a quick check to find out how many repeats of that yes. size there were. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The yeah. London cholera outbreak was because we talked about the water, like the like the, the I think I mentioned that there was a brewery 
that didn't get sick in London, whereas everybody else ah, it did. Yes. And you said mm. because they had their own well, uh, but also mm. because of the alcohol. Um, yeah. So that's that sort of was like the reasons behind I think we, that why we talked about it. But what exactly happened at the time in the book, I don't remember for the London cholera outbreak. Why? Why exactly we talked about this? Um, ah, I think it was because mm. of the alcohol that the men were drinking. I think. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, that might have been it. Yeah, <laughs> As talk we talk, it. like my brain is just like powering through. It's like, yeah, I think that was it. Well done, brain. Well done. Pat, yeah. pat. Yeah, that adds up. Yeah. Um, in terms of humanity and the history of humanity in science, we talked about a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. like history of gun development. Yeah, yeah. That was your, uh, mm-hmm. you know, excessive knowledge about like flintlock and you know, all the types of, you know. Uh, development of the gun. I read like one article mm-hmm. once. It wasn't really. It's not. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not very deep on the <laughs> firearms history. And we also talked about Cold War and nuclear weapons. And actually, we talked about nuclear weapons quite a lot, a few times. Hmm. And yeah, they've come up a few yeah, times. Yeah, and then we talked about religion specifically in this part. We talked about the paganism, Christianity, because we um, we know that mm-hmm. the coin Gabe had had like a cross and also a phoenix. So. Hmm. That was that. Yeah, and the the, the sort of um, the that's uh, been related to like the the function of narrative in human culture. Yeah, um, that that was kind of a, a minor theme of this section with the way that uh, uh, you know Akim was coming to understand the way that humans use stories. What he initially was thinking of as lies. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> to uh, to convey information. We talked about um, Titanic sky in the movie that you know uh neil degray tyson mentioned like oh you could have get it correct and Mm -hmm. uh i don't remember what exactly was other thing we could what exactly we why meant you mentioned that oh it it came up in the context of like i'm doing the same nitpicky nonsense that (laughs) that uh neil was doing Um, but I think what it, was it? At, at some point we mentioned it, it, another thing you pulled out in here was Harris Hawks. Yes, yes. Um, but I think it, it may have originally come up after I was like, I watched the first episode of The Last Kingdom ah, in one of our yes. little content discussions. And I was like, there was a Harris Hawk on this guy's arm in the opening shot. And that's like three, four hundred years off base yes. for where it that should have been. It, yes, because I put it in biology because I couldn't remember about this. And then, yes, that makes sense. That was exactly what it was about. Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, but also it, the other kind of nitpicking that we do in in yes. general in, in this <laughs> this uh, podcast about like the the specific details of, of how this exactly. works. Right? Yeah. Although the part of the reason I don't have to do too much of that here in 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 some sense is that um, Octavia walks that line very oh, yeah. well in that she includes um, enough vagueness to be plausible. And when she does kind of do something that's specific, she gets it right. Yeah. right? It's the <laughs> well done. Yeah. Um, but then we also talked about Jupiter. And out of curiosity, I don't remember why, but I checked like the composition of the pl- of the planet. I was in like made of mm-hmm. metallic uh, hydrogen and, oh, and yes. stuff like that. And we just talked about, you know, the astrophysics and... and- I, what was the context of this? I can't rem- recall. Was it something to do with w- where the Owen Carly were like doing something with the other other parts of the solar system? I don't remember now. I don't remember. Uh, I can't can't think of what was the reason. Yeah. And finally, in this case, we actually talked about the woolly mammoth. 
about like uh, it, it's more of a biology section but also we talked about like you know the fact that um just the development of science being able to re cover or reintroduce the species that were long extinct again mm-hmm. so i thought that this is more part like it fits more in this part i think that must have come up in the context of how the Owen Carly might have kind of brought back some of the animals of earth after they may have gone yeah. extinct kind of thing maybe yeah. something like that yeah and the fact that we're like there is a relatively well-funded project trying to do that with woolly mouths <laughs> that's correct that's correct yep yeah and in terms of the biology because actually we talked a lot about biology surprisingly um mm-hmm. in this chapter so we talked about the body temperature in mammals um ah yes what was it? ah because the onkali temperature is lower the, the onkali have a different yeah. temperature yeah and we talked about the processes of healing um why we in particular process i think again because when the onkali get injured and how they how they handle that um and also the um uh, the guy's trying to like disinfect wounds with ah, alcohol. Yes, stuff. why we talked about yeah. it was a bad idea. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about the sex changes in animal kingdom and weird fertilization techniques. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that uh, Brazilian tree is always, you know, mentioned every few episodes. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brazil nut tree comes up yeah. a lot and <laughs> with the. Uh, the interweaved ecology and then the yeah the, the various like fish and yeah. so on who uh, uh, swap sex at different points in their life and depending on environmental stimuli we talk, yeah we talked about uh, we talked about a lot of like the mm. oxygen level the big insects and the oxygen exchange and that was because we mm. talked about the whole idea of you know amash kak being able to exchange oxygen um between themselves yeah. if they go swimming so mm-hmm. And we talked about, you mentioned about the protein levels in diet and genes, which was very interesting. Ah, yes. Yeah, the uh, uh, making a diet based on the, the frequency with which a given yeah. amino acid occurs in your, your And the reason why was yeah. because Akin was always looking for more food because the diet the human's head was not um, rich enough. They pro- need more yeah, protein. Rich enough protein, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just talked in diet, yeah. but in diet in general. Um yeah, I think the, the the idea that like the protein intake is a sort of key determinant of um, satiety, yeah. right? the, the the sense of being full. Mm-hmm. We talked about um, a lot of about the development of eyes, different types of like eyes and the uh, evolution of eyes, which was really. Ah, we yes. talked a lot about mm. that because of the patches on Akin's body that were able to sense, um, see basically, um, as well as his normal eyes um yeah which that's yeah that's one thing that's a bit um a bit biologically less plausible right the, the degree to which the Owen Carly are able to um see well with their yeah. skin um, yeah yeah because uh, simply from the evolutionary what, points um i mean well from from a physics perspective yes, right? yes. You, you need the you need certain concentration lensing capabilities yeah. and and yeah. so on and the minimum amount of yeah. so yeah we talked about that and we talked about a lot about cephalopods in any oh, yes. aspect yeah, of cephalopods, cephalopods whether it was nervous system their camouflage abilities mm. about the skin pigment layers um their limbs in general just we talked a lot about uh cephalopods uh, the behavior as well in the and how some of them can be assholes for the scientists that work on them just a lot of you know fun stuff on cephalopods Actually, there's a good. Um, I don't know if I plugged it at any point, but there, there's a follow-up um, uh, piece of content that was released after we talked about cephalopods for the main part, 
uh, on the After On podcast uh-huh. um, with a, a, another cephalopod expert. Okay, um, okay. Uh, which is worth reading because he's a little bit more skeptical of some of the some of the uh, stuff that the uh, cephalopods are reported to have done in labs okay. uh, and so on. But yeah, it's a, it's a fun uh, it's a fun interview. But yeah, actually, the book After, After On. on. Okay. Um, the author of which I am forgetting who, who runs the After On podcast. Um, and the After On podcast starts uh, with discussions of stuff related to that book and, and then diverges into other topics. I see. That is a hilarious read um, about just like artificial intelligence and Silicon Valley culture and, and so okay. on. And it's, uh, yeah, that's just... We'll find the author <laughs> it's later. It's genuinely but very funny. I'll also check it out. Uh, oh, um, uh, I want to say Rob Reed... And, and, yeah, don't hold okay. me to that one. I think something like that. Is I'll the put author. in the references, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Check it. Yeah. And we also talked about parabiosis and general uh, alcohol metabolism because these two were sort of connected. Um, one of them was connected about the exchange of blood circulation for the oxygen. So there was earlier about the oxygen exchange. Uh, mm-hmm. and also, but also the alcohol metabolism was also connected because about the trying to get the girls drunk. To cut her off the tentacles so in a way it was the, it, the topic sort of flowed in from one to another when they were trying to escape mm-hmm. so yeah i think that the parabiosis thing came up also in relation to to like the oxygen and the ability to connect their uh, possibly their circulatory yeah. systems together um that's the whole thing of like if you stitch an old mouse to a young mouse the young mouse seems older and the old younger, mouse seems yeah. younger um, mm-hmm. and we talked about sleep and dreaming. I don't remember what was the purpose of this one. Um, I'm trying to remember when that came up. It might have been something in the context of, of memories. I think it also came up in, in our discussion of, of cephalopods. Um, and you know they came up because of the eyes and the maybe, tentacles no. and the skin and all of that. Nervous. Being I think maybe also the, the nervous system car, yeah. that we were talking about. Like I don't know, but there was. There, yeah. I'm sure there was a connection between that. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, I also my favorite frog species, the mini species, the mini genus. Just, ah, yes. mm, I love it. This is just brilliant. <laughs> Great name. Uh, and uh, finally, yeah. regeneration of limbs in amphibians. We talked a lot about the regeneration mm. of, um, again, because it was the tentacles thing on the girls. Mm-hmm. It was also the same thing. We talked about the regeneration, the cytokine concentrations and the gradients and stuff like that. All of that was um, yeah, yeah, part of it. I think that also comes up in the the context of aging biology. Yeah, to, to link in the uh, and uh, limb development and that kind of stuff. The whole uh, conversation that uh, I don't remember if it if it came up explicitly when we talked about that before. But when I was on the um, the Bayesian conspiracy yeah. podcast, like one of one of the things that I think about quite a bit when it comes to understanding um, what to do with regenerative medicine and mm-hmm. aging. Um, like this whole notion of kind of uh, like re- regressing the developmental stage, or like using the um, the Yamanaka factors that yeah. we talked about before on the podcast to to take the development back, um, yeah, like to to use that metaphor of rolling the ball up the hill in the 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 uh, sort of epigenetic landscape for development, right? So the problem of what happens when you try to roll it back down again? Yeah, right? so you, you need to be able to to control into which path trenches yeah. the ball rolls so you get the right kind of tissues in the adult species rather than something that's that's not working correctly or something that's cancerous mm-hmm. um and that all kind of relates into that that notion of how we control what 
developmental pathways we follow, yep. right? So regeneration of limbs in amphibians is one of the things that, like, they are able to regrow a limb apparently from the correct point in their arm, right? If you cut like, wherever it is, you cut the arm, like the, the the bit that grows back is like the right length. It starts from the right exactly. spot. But we don't we don't really have the same thing in humans. Like, um, so like the degree to which we may or may not have the information present in our uh, like latently present in our tissues to to restore them if they're damaged is um uh, i think of great significance for understanding that, that kind of stuff in regenerative medicine absolutely uh, but yeah that, that, i got off no it's fine it's fine obviously it's just those yeah. topics are important for us in general and but yeah mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about you know amazing amazing and interesting topics and also, uh, if you correct me if I'm wrong, but you said that this part also had the longest chapter in all of the three books, right? Ah, I believe yeah. so, yes. So, in general... I think it may also be the longest section. It might be also the longest section, but really good, really fun. Um, in general, it's a really interesting story on you know Akin's perspective as a young little fella, young boy, one-year-old um but in general just like it's it's fantastic how we managed to just weave in these topics just 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 like that right yeah so much of it comes from these kind of tiny little subtleties in in the text right and and the the story's kind of weaving around a few of these like relatively like minor complexities in this fairly straightforward overall arc of you know akin is is kidnapped and he learns about the humans and, and he comes back to the Orankali, but there's a whole bunch of little small twists and turns in there and a bunch of interesting intricate little details about his his biology and his perceptions and his interactions with yeah. humans which have been the you know the the um starting off points the, the nucleation points to, to catalyze our discussions uh on these uh these many and varied <laughs> subjects yeah. <laughs> it was just it was really interesting and when i was doing this summary i was like oh this is this is you know pretty solid like list of topics that we talked about and um i feel like you know interesting what's gonna pop up the only problem is because we talked about so much stuff here i feel like in the future episodes when we have similar conversations it's like yeah please check out other episodes yeah please check out <laughs> well yeah this is the problem <laughs> as with many things it gets increasingly self-referential yeah. with time uh, we have to uh, uh try and uh, keep in mind we've already discussed uh, certain things here the, yeah not not get too dense with the the self-reference or it, it starts to become difficult yeah. to follow <laughs> yeah and, uh, that was always my problem with Stephen moffat's writing of, of doctor who yeah. oh really yeah yeah, and his writing in general, actually. It becomes increasingly self-referential over time, and if you're not paying attention to every I, detail, you can't keep I haven't it. read or watched any of Doctor Who. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of some things, but... I haven't done for and, years now. But, yeah. I mean, like, it's uh, yeah. from the movies and, like, the series, and it, like, started as a radio series, right? Like, well, after the books were written, like, it's sort of the first Doctor and... I mean, I don't, I don't even... I don't think it really did. Ha- I don't think I don't know if it had Doctor Book source material. I, I don't remember. I think it was a TV thing from the get go, but okay. it was like that... way way back in like the 
60s or 50s yeah. or something it was like super super early it was in black and white when it first but came i thought out. it actually um, started as a radio um ch- uh, broadcast first oh it, it may have been radio first it may well have been radio and, first but yeah it was a ridiculously long time ago for, a, yeah, for an ongoing so franchise it's just like it's crazy like there's some stuff like this that you know just basically survived throughout the you know all the different uh, dev- the, technical developments one of the yeah, it spans a lot of different media, I suppose. But, I mean, the the weird thing about British television is it's either, like, one and done. <laughs> right, it's a short, contained yeah. series, or it never stops. <laughs> right? It runs forever. Right? This is, like, panel shows, like, Have I Got News For You, and all these other things. It's like, it's either, either it gets, like, one series, or it never dies. <laughs> Whereas the Americans will just, like, renew stuff for... You know, six, seven, twelve, however many seasons Supernatural bloody got. But like um, all this 15? stuff that like no, runs sorry, for I'm a talking, re- talking about, uh, fifteen seasons. Excuse me, Supernatural was <laughs> okay. Yeah, but like you know, there's some stuff where it's like you should have killed it way back here, but no, you dragged it on. Yeah. Whereas the to be fair, and, uh, yeah, it's an interesting balance. To be fair, mm-hmm. um, just to back on the Supernatural arc, because I was introduced to it when we were doing PhD. Remember, Richard, it was um, mm-hmm. Shona who introduced me, oh, and okay. she was like, right, Oh, right. you were really like, it. I mean, I heard about it before, but she was like, Yeah, it's about you know, fantasy and sort of this. I was like, Okay, I'll give it a go. I devoured levels 11 seasons in like span of a <laughs> week or two weeks. Like, I just like every time I came back home from lab, I just watched that, and I just hmm. like, and that's some I was like, After 11 seasons, because they like, you know. It's. It felt like they were really spreading out. Just like I, I'm a bit tired, so I had dropped it for like a solid year and a half too, and only recently finished it off. But just like okay, I, I never finished it. I, I, I think. But I, the, the thing is, and I carried on for. There was like the first major arc that was like the first like five yeah. or six seasons or something that that resol- I was like, okay, that resolved nicely, and then they kept going. I was like, what, why are they still going? Like they're not, yeah, but, yeah, yeah okay. that's the thing. Uh, and the last season felt like they they really needed to finish this off. And they basically, all those arcs that were related, they just sort of like almost chopped them. So it just felt like it had a good for ending in a way, but mm-hmm. I just felt like, yeah, you could have either done it way back, you know, a few seasons ago, or at least try not to spread it so much and just focus on finishing off those arcs yeah, throughout the, the like the last two seasons instead to... of one last season and a few episodes. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's an interesting difference in the way that the Americans and the British commission TV shows. I'm not quite sure <laughs> what the origins of that are. Some, I talked to some like insider producer people in, in the industry to find out why that's so different. But, but it is a it you is know what? Difference. I'll tell you something that really blew mm-hmm. my mind. Okay, so mm-hmm. as a kid in Poland, right, we were also introduced yeah. to Mr. Bean, right? Oh but yeah. yeah. Like, I thought, and, and many people as as well, like, when we saw it on TV sometimes in, like, on Saturday morning, that's where, you know, like, the cartoons were and all the, like, family sort of um, TV uh, series or shows were. And Mr. Bean would, like, appear for, like, 10 minutes or something. And, you know, like, oh, it was, like, it was great. I loved Mr. Bean. But it always felt there's, like, a lot of episodes, right, of it. Hmm. But realistically... There was only six episodes ever recorded, I think. It was six. 
I, I can't. I'm, I think I've seen. I must have seen them all <laughs> because I, I, I do remember seeing the the live action. Like Mr. the Bean thing stuff. is, like the original yeah. Mr. Bean. Like there's, I think only six or eight episodes ever being recorded, but it was okay. cut in. It was done in such a way that you could cut it into like five, ten minute chunks. And basically make mm-hmm. more out of the more episode of it. So it always felt like there's a lot of like things I haven't seen. But realistically, mm-hmm. I probably have seen them all. It's just that it was just the way it was presented. Yeah, like, so there were it was just like individual self-contained arcs in those yes, little sections. Exactly. That, that, yeah, so it, yeah. I was just like, huh. oh wow, oh yeah, this is true. I I checked it, and it is true that there's only a few episodes of Mr. Bean, in fact. But in the way done, that just basically was spread out, that you know, it felt like there was like yeah. seasons of it. <laughs> and then they came back years later and did some yeah. of the movies and, and so on. But, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we, we've, we've uh, strayed violently <laughs> off topic again. <laughs> I guess it's, you know, it's excusable and acceptable for the last chapter of the part two, so. Uh, <laughs> let's let's, um, let's, let's uh, reel yes. it back in for, for a second to talk about your predictions for, for part three. There we go. Which, yeah, I'm going to practice saying that one. I'm just going to copy one, paste your, you're saying it, one that you're happy with and just copy paste it every time when we do it. <laughs> it's going to be really funny. And now for the episode, we will talk <laughs> just like a really just a really bad yeah, obvious cut where yes. it's just insert yes, very very <laughs> obvious um so yes for my uh, prediction yeah. i'm not gonna fall for this trap okay octavia i know you game i know it by now and i'm sure there's gonna be some time passing now it's gonna be, and i'm sure it's gonna be more than like few years because i feel like in the part two, like in the book two, when you were like, oh, suddenly it's like seven years after the whole book one. I'm sure it's going to be again like this when Akin's either a teenager or something. Um, and obviously the part three is called after the ship's name. So I'm sure it's going to be taking part uh, place on the ship. And maybe like either uh, like learning about the Onkali more or trying like... Not learning about Kali, but trying to tell on Kali about the um, the humans and the, the whole idea of having the human Akjai. Okay, interesting. So, uh, so uh, Akin has to be a, a, an advocate, a uh, yes, an activist yes. on behalf of the uh, the humans to try and persuade the the Oankali powers that be that they deserve an, an Akjai. Interesting. Yeah. I just thought that at this point, like, there's gonna be again a like a time skip because. It's nicely wrapped up. Okay. Any guesses on the duration of the time scale? Oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Richard, it's already my brain power has been used <laughs> out coming up with that. Like, I don't know if I can, like, guess. But I'm sure it's going to be more of, like, enough. I can being old enough to sort of uh, being taken seriously, you know, not being the kid. Okay. But, like, enough to be already, mm-hmm. you know, like, the, the true messiah he's supposed to be. Like an age, prime age mm-hmm. of like 10. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, he's pro- <laughs> probably a teenager uh, he times. Can, he can be the, uh, the Lisa Nalgai <laughs> for the. Uh... <laughs> so trying. For so I'm just trying, like, I'm trying to, like, probably, let's say, like, when he's a teenager, um, to, to try mm-hmm. to sort of um, be able to finally convey what he needs to convey for the humans. I mean, I don't think it's, it's mm. not going to happen, you know, the whole idea of him trying to you know um uh, make the onkali you know like um persuade the onkali to 
to do what you know for the humans what you know humans want um mm-hmm. he was too young for the time like just just like trade as a three-year-old to do to do this um and i am sure that like because okay. don kali also have this thing where like like humans they don't listen to their kids so he needs to be old mm-hmm. enough to be actually enough so his word okay projects so enough old enough to be taken yeah. seriously yeah hmm. interesting and the uh, any ideas about what might be going on with the humans in that time or uh, what the like if Keen gets his way on the human actually what the Oankali might think that should look like? like I don't know to be honest like I feel like um, I mean it feels like if if it's gonna be a serious time skip there's going to be a serious mm-hmm. development in the human resistance like you know more guns more like something's like serious happening in the meantime because um, okay. I mean, it leads. There's breadcrumbs that we were left uh, with that they, they lead to it. There's no other answer to it. But I don't know whether it's going to be between the Onkali and the humans, or the humans and humans. You know what I mean? The humans mm-hmm. living the res- uh, the trade villages. Yeah, the yeah but yeah. in terms of the, um, what, sorry, what was your second question? What might a human actually look uh, like for the Onkali in the, the Onkali perspective? You know mm. what? I feel like uh, it depends. If Don Kali do what they're supposed to do and the way like help the hum- let the humans be like on an island, do whatever they want to do, then it's going to be more of like what the just continuation of what the Phoenix is, but just you know being able to have kids. But I feel like there might be like some sort okay. of supervision that every so often Don Kali arrive and they're just like, okay, we touch you and you can you can have children, right? Sort of this type of thing, like that they still control the population to prevent to prevent okay. any. So it still feels a bit present. Uh, yes, yes, to prevent any sort of like overdevelopment, like you know, let's make enough population so that they can fight off Don Kali or lol, as if you'll be able to. But hey, something along those lines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. It's either or. Right, then I should, uh, yeah, I should probably stop asking uh, questions. Because you, and, it uh, may be a guide <laughs> me to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess mm-hmm. that's it for today, right? Yeah, I think that's it. We can. So uh, we thank can you very up. much, everyone, for listening. We are Xenothesis. You can find all the places we upload our podcast on xenothesis.com. Um, as Richard mentioned earlier, please like and subscribe, comment, you know, spread the podcast everywhere. It's hell- I mean, the more people hear about this, the, the more motivations we have to, to do this pro, uh, um, podcast. Um, but yeah, I was mm-hmm. Michael Glinko. I was Richard Acton. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>